Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it is May 15th, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You are listening to episode number 390. We're only 10 away Woo. from 400. Jesus. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. K. Sarah Sarah. Indeed. And Joey Bertino. Pika, Pika. Oh boy. <laughs> it begins. All right, you have got the three amigos this week because Jess is out sorting some business and Sarah is as well. It's her off week, so we had to cut her loose at some point after her whirlwind trip to both Canada and the States. She might have gotten some sleep by now. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to hold down the fort this week. Luckily, we have tons of stuff to talk about. There was a lot of comic book news uh, coming out this week. We got a bunch of books. We uh, Joey went and saw Detective Pikachu. Pika! So we're going to talk about that. And um, yeah. So anyway, um, we're going to kick the show off with a, a little bit of an update Real quick. (laughs) Breaking news! Anybody recognize that? All right. Uh, Ladies of Valhalla, we have an update from our sister podcast. This comes directly from the chief, Sarah. Hey there, everybody. Or everyone, rather. Uh, And welcome to Ladies... No, wait. This isn't our show. This is just an update to let you all know that the ladies of Valhalla are taking a post-vacation vacation this month. What is this? Blasphemy. <laughs> Blasphemy. You're every week. Uh, we are all in recovery from the wonderful time that we spent together in Canada and America, and we need to take some time off to come back with a bang and deliver uh, you the kind of show that you deserve. We know that we told you our May episode would be about giant days, but given the news that this has been canceled as of issue 55, canceled or just I think it's just ending. ending. I think it's just ending. ending. Uh, We are going to hold fire on talking about Daisy, Esther, and Susan until their tale is all told. However... We will be back in June with a very special guest as friend of the pod. Kristen Gudznuck will be joining us to talk about her original graphic novel, Making Friends, as well as her other work, hopefully including the forthcoming sequel, Back to the Drawing Board. Mm. Uh, She didn't write that part. I did. However, we are not totally abandoning you this month as there will be some holiday photos and recommendations coming from uh, from us on our social media. So follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We are at 
Valhalla ladies. Thanks for listening, and I'll let you get back to your usual programming now. Talking, talking, comics, comics. All right, we're back. So there you have it. Uh, the ladies are taking a little bit of a break, uh, but their show shall return. Yeah. Indeed. Um, sometimes you just need to uh, step back, yeah. you know, recollect yourself, especially after severe bouts of jet lag and all manner of shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. Exactly. It's just blaming it all on shenanigans. Uh, so the other bit of business that we have really quick, I just want to share a quick story because I thought it was very cool. Uh, so a friend of mine, Rachel Fannin, she is a former member of the band Sleepy Sun. Now the singer of Black Mountain, they are a rock and roll outfit and they kick ass and they've been around for a while. So maybe you've heard from them. They had a single a couple years back called Old Fangs. That was really groovy. Anyway. They came into Toronto and Rachel contacted Bronwyn and I and said, you guys should come out. And so we did. And what we got to do was we went to the CBC in studio session, which was like at a max 25, maybe 30 people. And you're you're in this, you know, small studio space with all the cameras and all the boards and everybody doing their thing. Everybody was so nice and so like energetic and super friendly and accommodating and all of that stuff. Uh, really, really top-notch staff over at CBC. And so we got to be in the room for this like 45-minute set of them previewing songs from their new album, which comes out on May 24th, um, as well as the recording, uh, the filming of what we saw that night. So on May 24th, not only will the album be out, but you will also be able to check out the performance that Bronwyn and I we're standing like just off camera for uh, Rachel did her thing alongside the rest of the band. Really, really phenomenal set. Some really like crazy psychedelic jams and just a good time overall. It was very sweet of her to uh, to invite us. We've been friends for uh, about like a decade now, I guess. And uh, yeah, it was it was something really cool and unique. We go to a lot of shows and I talk about going to see live music and and stuff like that on the show from time to time. But this was something unique. Uh, I've never been to as intimate and as close as I've gotten to stages and people performing and like I could reach out and grab their ankle if I wanted to. This was intimate on another level in that it felt very exclusive and just Really, really, really awesome people working the board. So everything sounded really good. And uh, yeah, so anyway, we dug it. We had a really good time. And uh, that stuff will be out at the end of the month. All right. Moving Ooh, right pretty along. Pretty cool. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah, man. Like, it was the last song in particular. I think it's called Space. Or maybe that was just an abbreviated version. Um, but I, if it went on forever, but it was so epic and so good. And I mean, like black mountains got another album coming out tool announced August 30th after 13 years of waiting for another album. They're finally coming back with more music. So I'm going to talk about that until my mouth falls off you love uh, tool. eventually. So <laughs> I am, uh, I'm very excited. This has been a very good year for music so far, especially, um, some more on the uh, on the indie side. All right. 
let's get into unless anybody else has any uh, announcements or banter or anything they want to talk about we can move right into lightning rounds i just want to say one thing sure I'm so tired of these interviews with the Russo, Marcus, and McFreely about Endgame. I tweeted about it a couple of days ago. I am so over it. And like, why are you over it? It's just like, first of all, they're like justifying everything, explaining everything in detail. But the mm-hmm. worst part is that they don't even agree about things. Like the Russos will be no, like, they don't. The Russos will be like, oh yeah, you know, spoilers, everybody. It's been three weeks. If you're still behind, sorry, we're talking about Endgame here. Spoilers, three, two, one, bah. They're talking about like Steve and everything, and and the Russos are like, oh yeah, you know, he 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 put the stones back, and the the, the multiverse, alternate reality, lives a whole life, comes back, sideswipes, brings back the shield, whatever. And then Marcus and McFree are like, nah, bro. He's in our reality. He married Peggy. He was his little husband all along, right? It's like, what? Who are you guys? Like, stop, stop. Um, And everything that we talked about on the show and, you know, whatever, it is what it is. But, like, I just am so tired of these interviews. And it's like, can we just live with the movie and just love it for what it is? I don't need you to explain everything. And if you have to explain everything, it should have been deconstructed. Ah, And you know what I realized too? And I I never used to watch it, but after Game of Thrones. Oh, don't get me started. I don't want to get into like what's been happening on the show. But like, they also have like those like 15 minute interviews with like. Benioff and and Vice, the guys are and the director and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. in this episode, you want to do this, this, and this, and I'm like, shut up! Like, I just want to watch the yeah. shows and like, oh man, if I wanted to listen to director's commentary, I would have bought the DVD and listened to director's commentary. I don't need my timeline flooding with like, dude, interview with this writers say this, co-creators say this, directors say this. It's like, oh, if it wasn't in the movie, like, stop. So, look. As as somebody who writes news, it's it is this thing where outlets and journalists and 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 big people and little people, everybody's trying to get whatever little morsel that they can and squeeze for all it's worth to have an article to talk about absolutely nothing. Yeah. But if they can draw eyeballs to it, let's go. Clicks. And it's just it's such an obnoxious way to cover this stuff and the 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 way that it panic spreads throughout the internet because it's just a click of a button yeah and before you know it like you've got all this falsified information or somebody some something came to my desk earlier today about henry cavill being cast as wolverine and (laughs) somebody was like I'm trying not to name names, but like somebody at the site was like, you know, oh, you should look into this. And I just, I took one look at it and I was, are you kidding me? (laughs) It took me all of two seconds to find that like the one, the one source, if you could even call it that was some like, like bargain basement Photoshop version of Cavill's face on Wolverine's body (laughs) that had one comment and one like to it. And like there was a potential to be like, oh, you should do something with this. I was like, I don't think that I will. Yeah. But People are making stuff up and because we have social media and we have all these outlets that we can share it to and people just read headlines, they get excited and they click that button and they share it without even having read the information. And before you know it, a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about are talking about the wrong thing. Yeah. And it's just insane 
the way watching it happen in real time like i want to throw up every day it's wild it is wild and like i the, can't and they're playing into it like that's the other thing that like bothers me like the watching these like the directors and writers of Endgame in particular just be like, oh, we're going to sit down with everybody and we're going to answer the same goddamn questions over and over and over again. It's just going to get reposted and re-reported. It's just like, oh my God, I don't even want to watch the movie again. (laughs) Like, like I I just, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm like, that's, that's one of the first things that I ask. Like when we do interviews and stuff, like I sat down with Jack Black one time and he just looked like he was about to fall apart. And we weren't rolling camera or anything like that. And I, and I asked him, I'm like, dude, like, how many times have you answered the same questions just today? And he looked at me and goes, you have no idea, man. All the time. All the time. All, all the time. <laughs> and I was just like, well, we've got some different questions for you. He's like, I doubt it. But let's fucking go. And it was he was amazing. He was one of my favorite interviews ever. But I asked that of people. And and it's it's, it's just wild, man. It really is the... The many cogs in the machine, if you will, and how they all churn. Anyway, <laughs> let's do some lightning rounds. <laughs> Change the air in the room a little bit. <laughs> Put some ozone, ozone in the air. Yeah. Hey, hey, Shazam! <laughs> all right. <laughs> Is that your new thing? Yeah, Shazam! Lightning. Shazam! Lightning! Shazam! Excellent. I'm into it. All right, Bob. Uh, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for you. And I would like you to tell us all about your favorite books from the week and go. Well, as it seemed, Joey was intrigued. I'm going to lead off with Betty Page, Princess and the Pinup, number four, by David Avalone and Julius Oda. Here, the two Bettys, that being Ms. Page from Tennessee and the newly crowned Queen Elizabeth II, are flying a helicopter while being chased by a flying saucer that may be part of an alien invasion, or could it? Just be a conspiracy? <gasps> Tinfoil oh. hats and everything. Oh, my goodness. You'll have to read this charming retro adventure to find out. And I highly would recommend picking up the trade when it comes soon from Dynamite. Issue 5 is coming out tomorrow, today, whatever you want to talk about it, where Betty visits Loch Ness. The great thing with the Dynamite trades, you get all the variant covers. They always throw all that junk in, so that's always fun. Wonder Woman 70 by G. Willow Wilson, Zermanico, Romulo Fajardo Jr., and Pat Rousseau used Atlantean's ability to unleash people's inner desire to make many powerful points about one of comics' longest-running relationships, that of Diana and Steve Trevor. As her run has progressed, Ms. Wilson has used the various godly antagonists in her stories to bring to light many shades and angles to Diana's mission, personality, and philosophies, in ways that harken all the way back to Dr. Elizabeth Marston's original stories with Harry Peter. As always with Ms. Wilson's work, however, deep the messages, they come in a fun-to-read package, and now paired with the art by Zermanico and Fajardo, this arc is shaping up as the best so far. Captain Marvel number 5 by Kelly Thompson, Carmen Carnero, Tamara Bonvillon, and Clayton Cowles closes out Ms. Thompson's first arc with the explosive battle to free Roosevelt Island, from the grip of the nuclear man. With fabulous moments for all of our trapped heroines, and especially a full-page shot of a powered-up Carol, I guess, coding, a, a beatdown with a sassy, you're done, plus a touching and funny epilogue, uh, I found this entire story to be a near-perfect introduction to the character and world of Captain Marvel, 
for those newly minted Carol Corps members. Also, the tease of the next arc might show the return of, well, you're going to have to read and find out for yourself, but I'm looking at some old-timey stuff there. I had a couple of things I was going to talk about, but we're saving those for later, so I hope Steve won't mind. But I'm poaching a War of the Realms title, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 44, by Ryan North, Derek Shaw, Enrico Renzi, and Travis Lanham, which features an unlikely team-up between Doreen and the Asgardian Squirrel Guard of Chaos, Radatosker. Not only do they battle evil frost giants named Danielle and Gary, by the way, they go undercover as Rachel, Oscar, and Scarlet Q Girl into Churchill, Manitoba, trying to find information on the influx point for the invasion, which goes not well. The, however, the Tada page, uh, where Radikoska tries out her disguises, is an absolute comedy jewel. <laughs> and how could a book not be when it includes the new phrase, resting evil face, right? <laughs> That's it for me. All righty then. Efficient. Yes. Uh, I have comments for Squirrel Girl, but Joey, why don't you real quick uh, tag in on Captain Marvel? Oh my God, this book was amazing. Oh, yes. so much happened. I was like, first of all, uh, I loved, loved, loved. Are we talking like spoiler kind of stuff, I guess? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm all spoilers tonight. In case yeah, you go know. for it. We've been all spoilers for, for the couple, a couple of weeks now. Yeah, I don't know people, how people feel about that. You know, when, when Nuclear Man was like, I have a bomb in your squad, right? And everyone was like, it's definitely your son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know. And it was. Um, but what I loved about it is that Carol and uh, Echo and everyone, their first instinct is how do we solve this, right? And how do we solve this in a way that that song gets to survive? And mm-hmm. like that's – and I think – doesn't Carol say like that's what heroes do or something like that? Yep. It's like mm-hmm. that's what – because we're heroes. And I'm like, you know, this book is amazing. <laughs> like Kelly Thompson, amazing. But also like there's something about Carol – as uh, this, this you know, now, rightfully so, this marquee figure in the Marvel Universe. And she's just heroic. She's just good, you know, in the same way that Cap is. Flawed, totally. Um, but good and a, and a hero. And I, there's a great conversation with Rogue late in the issue yeah. that I was so moved by. Like, so, so moved by where they talk about... You know, it's not about being friends or allies. It's about pushing each other and and making each other better. And uh, I love that. I love that conversation. And I love how it contextualized what Claremont did with those two characters so, so long ago. And it was just a wonderful issue. And I'm so glad that um, this is going to be, I think, the comic that a lot of people turn to after seeing the film. Uh, it's a crazy book in the same way that Kelly Sue's first volume was a crazy book too, right? Like who's like, Punch Oh, some dinosaurs. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like, Oh, Kelly Thompson shows up. She's like, Oh, the first volume that we're going to do first trade. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to get stuck on Roosevelt Island in an alternate dystopian reality world with <laughs> a nuclear machismo man. And, uh, no one's going to have any powers. It's like, what? That's crazy. Um, there's some great she Hulk stuff in there. Not only in terms of like the Hulk stuff, but also the conversation that she has, um, with hazmat, you know, yeah. about kind of being free from their powers for a little while and just being able to be yourself. It was just such a great issue, such an amazing issue. And I look forward to reading it again and reading the whole first arc again because um, 
it's a reminder of what makes the comics and the characters great. And I loved seeing characters like Echo again. And I love seeing uh, Jessica Drew. And I love seeing Jen Walters. And it's just like, man, this book is so good. It's so, so, so good. And I'm interested to see uh, where we go with the next arc, which is a War of the Realms tie-in, which... Uh, as we know from the long track record of tie-ins in new series could really undercut some momentum, but I'm putting faith in the creative team and war of the realms on its own has been pretty killer the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, and I'll be talking about a tie-in in my lightning round too. Yeah, you know, Beatles, Bill Squirrel girl one sounds awesome as well. Um, <laughs> but the difference is of course that Captain Marvel's only five issues in and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl's forty four, right? Like, yeah. So like, you had a little, you had a little legs under it, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Captain Marvel keeps up uh, through the time. Yeah, uh, the cover of it looks amazing. You've got a nice enchantress moment happening, and I think it may just be the one off. But if Kelly Thompson continues to build with the characters, even as you say, during this dystopian Roosevelt Island, and still found the core of a huge cast of characters totally and made it all work. And Steve, by the way, just, just for you, cause it's in there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Roger and baby Jerry show up. Oh yes, they do. Oh yeah. No, no. I, re- I read it too. I oh, just, okay. yeah. Um, and then like, I even like when Rhodey showed up and later in the issue, I was like, Oh, like, I, I was like, yeah. so taken with the whole thing and, and caps there. He's like, Oh, kiss me now. <laughs> you know? Um, it's, it's so good. It's so, so good. And I, I'm so glad that it's so good. Yeah. Love the cover. Awesome. It's all been Amanda Connor so far. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Those of you listening to it, to this can't see the, the cover. cover right now, but trust me, if you look up Captain Marvel number five, she's kind of just Nova-ing down onto land and it's, it's warping everything. It's really, it's really beautiful. Alrighty. Um, so this is, um, this is the part of the podcast where we talk about how I kind of have to admit that I'm slightly attracted to, uh, Radataskar's final transformation. <laughs> <laughs> Which one on that ta- 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 page? You, well, Rachel? I would hope that you would know the one I'm talking about. This, like, Morticia, uh, Charlize Theron final form yeah, okay. business with the uh, the giant tail and everything in the, the blonde streak and the black hair. I just, I love the character design. This... This issue was amazing. That page you were talking about, the, the transformation page where Ratatasker was trying to choose its form, uh, was was hilarious. I love the the Spider Man outfit in particular. With the, with I think the that was, ears. Yeah, I think that was my favorite one uh, of all of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, getting this much Ratatasker in one issue was amazing. But those black and red uh, speech bubbles and whatnot, and. Uh, Another awesome addition to the War of the Realms, which continues to be awesome, uh, just like Squirrel Girl is awesome every time that they drop another issue. Is this book still monthly? Because I feel yes. like this comes out every other week. No, it's still monthly. Damn, time flies. Yeah, I'm looking insane. at my monthly. No, it wasn't two weeks ago. So was it? No. I don't think so. But hey, if it comes out every week, I'd be happy. That would be awesome. All right. Let's see. Joey, 
Yes. Meow. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to put five minutes on the clock for you. Go. Uh, let's see. Where to start? Um, I'll start with War of the Realms, since we're on that topic. Agents of Atlas. Greg Pak. Gang Hyuk Lim. Colors by Federico Bleel. Uh, yo, so we all know that I'm a big Jimmy Woo fan over here. Uh, mm-hmm. We got the Agents of Atlas going on. Jimmy Woo is now the head of the Pan-Asian School for un- the Unusually Gifted and wants to form a new <laughs> Agents of Atlas. And he was looking to some of his um, uh, best buddies that he had an awesome team up with back in the totally awesome Hulk days under Greg Pak with Amadeus and Shang-Chi and uh, Miss Marvel and Silk and it's you know really 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 he really really wants to uh, get them on a new squad but they're not necessarily clicking together as a team there's some tension between Amadeus and pretty much everybody else because hey Amadeus Cho he's a bit of a hothead he needs to you know he used to be the Incredible Hulk and now he's got a new name I can't really recall off the top of my head it's like uh, uh, something something about strength or something anyway um (laughs) Oh. He, yeah, uh, he's, the, he's the totally awesome Hulk to me. All right, that's Braun? it. Braun? That's his new name. Hey! Hey! Um, but he just won't <laughs> listen, and he's at odds with his teammates. Of course, what's better way to get the squad to force them to work together than the impending War of the Realms? <laughs> and Muspelheim <laughs> and Queen Cinder literally rise up out of the ground in South Korea, <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Woo and his squad are forced to... Uh, respond um but whereas jimmy uh and most of the rest of the team are more level-headed and see south korea's own superhero squad kind of taking care of business and keeping things uh intact amadeus of course because he's amadeus says no we have to go down there and causes a little bit of trouble which leaves our heroes open for attack um i love agents of atlas i love what greg pak is doing with these characters and building up this new franchise around it it isn't mm-hmm. your classic agents of atlas there's no gorilla man sorry oh uh, i know who knows maybe we'll get him but this is very much now this new Agents of Atlas idea that Greg Pak is building around these Asian and Asian American heroes, which I'm obviously very much here for. Yeah, um, man. Totally. It is so, so good. I have Crescent I have and signed... Io, man. Oh, well, that's the other thing, too. Like, Pak's introducing all of these characters who some are old, some are, some are brand new characters from Shanghai and South Korea and um, the Philippines characters that obviously he's going to bring all together under this new Pan-Asian school, as it were. Very mm-hmm. exciting. Awesome tie-in. War of the Realms has been awesome. And if it gets us this new series, totally cool. Um, I've also been catching up with the Eternals. Uh, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around about this upcoming movie. Obviously nothing's been announced yet, but I wanted to go back and read Neil Gaiman and, uh, John Romita Jr.'s run, which I've read before in trade form. Um, but I wanted to go back and read it just because, you know, uh, it's been making the rounds. Uh, this movie rumored from Chloe Zhao with Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani. And it's like, what? Who's, what? This is crazy. Um, so Neil Gaiman and, and uh, John Romita Jr. wrote uh, Volume 3 of The Eternals, introduced by Jack Kirby back in 1976. Um, this race of basically immortal cre- people with superpowers that were tasked with interacting with the Celestials. And uh, you find more and more out about the mythos and, and who they are and what their relationships are to the Celestials and the Deviants and 
Earth's history and the universe. It's pretty crazy. It gets really, really heady, really, really high, really, really sci-fi um, as it's going on. Daniel and Charles Nauf, the father-son duo, uh, and Daniel Acuna, also Eric Nguyen and Sarah Pacelli, take over after Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. uh, for an eight-issue miniseries as well. I really like this book. I love the characters. They're very interesting. It is high fantasy, high sci-fi in a way that will be really interesting to see if they bring it to Marvel. With that said, I think Neil Gaiman, um, what he sets up in Eternals Volume 3 would make for the perfect film basically you have these few celestials and everybody there's supposed to be a hundred celestials but basically the book starts and they don't know who they are they're all just living regular lives and somehow someone icarus icarus remembers he was a remembers he was an eternal and basically what happens in that that volume what gaiman does is he's he it's a it's like a team-up movie where icarus and Mark Curry, a.k.a. Yeah, Curry, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're dis- rediscovering themselves as Eternals and trying to figure out why have they forgotten who they are? Who did this to them? And, and this whole mystery surrounding that, as well as figuring out the relationship to this celestial, the dreaming celestial that ends up being a key figure in the Uncanny X-Men um, when they were living in San Francisco. Really great world building. John Romita Jr. at the top of his game with this book too. It's really awesome. Um... I'm really looking forward to any of the kind of confirmation and news about the film. I'm assuming that they're going to be doing the gaming book because like I said, it makes for an awesome story and um, it already, it has embedded tie-ins to the superheroes. We know Tony Stark is a, makes a cameo in that book. Obviously he won't be able to in the uh, new movie. Oh, boom. Okay. Um, but spoiler. Uh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's very interesting to see awesome, awesome book as well. Um, I was able to watch the the season premiere, season six premiere of Agents of Shield. Uh, Bob, you'll be happy to know there's a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Easter egg in the in the, in the episode. Yeah, not an actual Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. There's a very young girl at a museum holding a dinosaur balloon. Um, it's adorable and wonderful. And I was like, oh my god, that's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. But anyway, uh, Agents of Shield took a very long hiatus after its uh, uh, season finale last May. Um, they didn't come back in the fall, instead pushed it to now, um, I guess to wait for after the endgame stuff. It doesn't really address the endgame stuff at all, instead it kind of picks up um, basically a year later. And, uh, you know, Max in charge, all of our favorite characters are kind of in new places. Um, I don't want to get too much into it for those that aren't listen, uh, aren't watching it regularly. Um, but I really love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think in the last couple of seasons it's really picked up and found its footing. It's gone really hard sci-fi. They're out in space. It's pretty cool. And they, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., might be leaning into that multiverse stuff. So if whether, mm. whether Mysterio's lying or not... Um, there, there, there might be some multiversal stuff going on in Agents of Shield. Um, the last comic I want to talk about is something that you both, everybody needs to read. Um, but uh, I knew it. It is called Waves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna downshift here a little bit. It's called mm. Waves. It's a graphic novel from Arkea. Uh, Ingrid Chabert and Carol Morel for Arkea Boom. Uh, I read this book. It's only about maybe 90 pages. I read this book and I just openly sobbed for the last 50 pages of it. It is a stunning, stunning, heartbreaking graphic memoir 
about Ingrid's own loss and kind of reconstruction of, of self. Uh, Waves tells the story of a lovely couple of, of two women as they try to have a baby, um, but things don't work out. Um, it's about storytelling. It's about dreams. It's about um, m- moving on. Uh, I just, I just burst into tears uh, uh, reading this book. It was it was one of the most beautiful graphic novels I've ever read, and uh, everyone has to read it. It is. It sounds like a Rosalie Lightning. It it's joy. like Rosalie Lightning, but I think more. Here's the thing, and. Um, she actually talks about it in the back of the book and I'll, let me pull it up uh, very quickly. She says, I, I didn't want this to be, I need to do it word for word, but you know, um, I just, I, I read it and I immediately thought we joke about it all the time, you know, like, Oh, this will be coming back in a few months, you know? But like, I, yeah. I genuinely, I was just absolutely taken with it. And I didn't know anything about what it was, what it was. I, I looked at the cover. I thought the cover looked beautiful um, and, uh, I was like, let me read it and I'm reading it. And I, I'm like, I think I, I, I know what this is going to be about. Oh my God. That's what this is about. Oh my God. Oh my God. Tears, 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 tears. It's, oh, no. it's beautifully no. illustrated. Um, here's what she says. Uh, she says, I did not talk about the beginnings of our journey. Right, this journey to, to have a baby, however long and painful, I did not want this graphic novel to be immediately labeled as, quote, yet another couple of women trying to have a baby. It is above all an album about love, loss, and reconstruction. Um, and I, it's, it's like Rosalie Lightning in the sense of you know trying to find yourself again and trying to find yourself again through stories and, and dreams and the people around you. Um, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's like Rosalie Lightning in the sense of I think Rosalie Lightning is very much about despair. And I don't think Chabert is doing that with waves. I think waves brighter isn't the right word. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of make it seem like this is like a happy book. It, it's very much not. <laughs> um, but there's something uh, more. Is there hope? There's hope. It's, it's hope. And there's a, there's an airiness to it, like a, a weightlessness to it that I think is very, a lightness to it um, that I think is joyous and perseverant in a way that, that maintains the, the sadness of it. Um, mm. I, can't, I can't really put it into words. It is, it is a devastatingly emotional book. I ugly cried through the last 20 pages of it. <laughs> but I was, I was crying because this, these people who had lost so much were finding themselves again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I was so moved by it. Um, and I think part, so that, that's the story part of it. And I think the other part of it is artistically what, what Morel does is, uh, first of all, the colors are so vibrant and then there's a middle section that's in black and white and there's these interspersed dream sequences the, with the, the, the title of waves, right? She, the, our main character has these dreams of herself on a boat and kind of getting lost in the sea and, and falling into the ocean and, and getting overcome by the waves. And there's this beautiful moment towards the end that I don't want to spoil because you need to experience it, that, that the, the two, the dreams and the reality kind of merge together. And it's just, it's stunning. It is a stunning, stunning hundred page graphic novel that I 
loved. It, it, I will be talking about it today, and I'll be talking about it in a few months when I read it again, and I'll be talking about it at the <laughs> end of the year. Um, and I hope that y'all pick it up and read it as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm pumped to read a sad yeah, story. Absolutely. It's not, But it's not sad. Like, it's sad. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, those are my bread and butter, right? Like I, I'm bring, I bring a lot of those to the show. Be like, hey, this is gonna make you want to cry, but it's also gonna make you feel alive and I, amazing I, and I, reaffirm who you are. I was like, like usually, like I'll do like the single tear, but this was like t- both eyes, like streaming oh, down. My, I was like, Phew. I wish I could cry. I never cry, and it sucks. You gotta get a soul, man. Dude, no, like I get there. Read waves. Like I'm feeling it. I just I don't have Read waves. Like I save my tears for really special occasions. This book is a special book. I dude, I I I I don't doubt you at all. Like I'm so pumped. The only reason why I didn't read it is because I actually want to pick it up at the shop. Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting to to read. I don't want to get it digitally. I want to yeah. get it physical. Um and I don't want to take up too much time on this, but Detective Pikachu, because I know, Steve, you haven't seen it yet. Directed by Rob Letterman, yeah. Ryan Reynolds, Justin Smith, Catherine Newton, Bill Nye's in this movie. Like, what? Yes. Ken wow. Watanabe. It's crazy. Um, story, actually, by Nicole Perlman of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Uh-huh. Uh, and screenplay by a bunch of other people. This movie was awesome. Totally a lot of fun. They gave me Pokemon cards at the movie theater. I was like, all right. Ah, uh, you got in. the limited edition Pikachu? Uh, no, I got Lickitung and uh, I might have got Pikachu. I don't remember. Um, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I loved it. it I laughed. It, I didn't cry. Um, but there's a great, there's a great little twist at the end that makes, makes so much sense. Um, it's a little convoluted as Pokemon, especially a Pokemon story with Mewtwo will obviously be, but, um, it's so bright and fun and, and, and wonderful. I, I just had a great time at the movies, um, with Pikachu and I look forward to having a great time at the movies this weekend with John Wick three. <laughs> uh, that, yes. that's like, they're basically the same movie kind of. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's For, my extended lightning round. Thanks. Yeah. Jess. I just turned <laughs> the, the clock off. Once you hit the agents of shield talk, <laughs> you did awesome, man. I want to see detective Pikachu very much. It's funny though. Like, for somebody who's played a bunch of the games, I've never really delved into the lore of Pokemon. Bruh. And so every time that Mewtwo shows up, everybody's like, oh, snap, like it's going down. And I'm just like, hey, it's that Pokemon <laughs> that everybody but me gets excited about. Woo! The thing about Pokemon is like when it hit, and it's the same thing, like all, all TV shows used to be like this, but like you used to have to be at the tv at a certain time to watch it right yeah, like no, it's not like now yeah it's not like now where it's like oh you could just stream it and it's on netflix and blah 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 so like i you know it used to be like after school 3 30 wb like you gotta watch pokemon or like saturday morning you gotta watch pokemon <laughs> gotta catch them all man gotta catch them all gotta catch them all <laughs> gotta catch them all you gotta, gotta be the very all. best what? uh yeah team rocket team rocket um, yeah, I didn't actually start playing Pokemon until I was in college. It was the thing to do, uh, at Catherine Gibbs with everybody in like the rec room or the eatery or whatever. We would all sit down. Everybody would play Pokemon and compete with one another and whatnot. Um, but that wasn't until like Pokemon diamond and oh, yeah. Pearl. So like, no, we're bro. talking no. like way into, yeah, I, w- I wasn't there for the, you gotta hit that red, blue baby. evolution. Yeah. 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 No, I would. I would play. I got a new. I got Let's Go Eevee 
on the Switch the hell is that, that I have yet to play. It's uh, the new one for the Nintendo Switch. That's a bunch of nonsense. You got to go back ah, and man, get the red, awesome. red, blue. Iconic. Yeah, they're iconic, but there are other good games in the series. That's why it's lasted so long. Red. I play Pokemon blue, Go every day, man. Yellow. Don't challenge me on my Pokemon. Yeah. How do you feel about Pokemon, Bob? I've never seen it. <laughs> well, not one minute of it. You ever do the the sporkle where you have to name all 150 original Pokemon? No. Oh, dude. I, I usually I, I usually max out around like 123, and then I'm like, I can't, I can't remember them all. Oh. I don't know. I would. I should do that. I don't know how I would do with that, but I bet you'd be uh, be pretty okay at it. Yeah, and they're so cute. Like I think the movie leans heavily onto like they're so cute. Um, but it's also a pretty moving story, father-son story, and, and friendship, buddy cop story. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and at the very least, the their very designs least. aren't nightmare fuel. No, no. <laughs> Although, you know what's funny? Before they played the movie, you know what trailer they played? Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. And the whole audience oh, yeah. is like, Sonic the Hedgehog is going like, to be getting a facelift, friends. Oh. They're sending everybody back into the studio to redigitize him and redesign him. And I don't know how they're going to do it because if you change his design too much, if you shorten his legs, then everybody's sight lines are off and it's going to look like they're talking over his shoulder the whole time. Well, I mean, so hey, look, they replaced uh, Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer. It can be done. That's true. They did. The, 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 my concern is that that's, they kept their November release date. So that means that everybody that's in that digital effects team that has been working on this movie for the better part of probably two, maybe even three years, I don't know. But they now have to do probably tons of crunch time with who knows what the compensation is going to be for it. And they like there's definitely somebody in that group of people that went into that room and was like, this is a bad idea. You should not use this design. We have this other one that is more like the games. It's more like the thing people know. And they're like, Pokemon's coming out. They're making them look more lifelike. So we got to give them legs and human yeah, teeth. But and- the thing about Pokemon is they look like they do in the, in the, in the game. In the in the show, like they look exactly like that. They didn't like read as like Sonic the Hedgehog is all. No, like, I know, but look, I just my heart goes out to these people that now have to redesign know, know. this this apparently alien creature. They're not even doing Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> They're doing something else. Um, Bob, did you read Eternals? <laughs> I read the Kirby Eternals back in oh, you did six. It was it a yeah. trip. Yeah, it was. He had come from DC, where he had done the New Gods, which were probably what the Eternals, if he had stayed at Marvel in the first place, what they would have been. So the whole deviant celestial thing, it was. It seemed reminiscent of his DC work, but it, it went in some interesting places, as you say. Pretty quickly on, even with Kirby, you got to see the real superhero universe start to get pulled into it. Yeah. So the idea, I. I have to tell you, I didn't even remember that Neil Gaiman was involved ever. Yeah, I, that's what the movie's going to be. I guarantee it. It makes the most sense in terms of the, mm-hmm. the narrative, in terms of making a film around it. 
I, and it, I think it's a great way to kind of introduce like, oh, look at these like superpowered Pira. They don't know who they are. Guess who else doesn't know who they are? The freaking audience. So it'll it'll work yeah. out. <laughs> um, and it's great. The twists and turns that happen towards the end of that that first series. It's it's really really cool. And like I said, you know, the celestial, the dreaming celestial, becomes very important to the X Men franchise. So who uh-huh. knows? Maybe that'll lead to uh, some X Men in later mm. in later days. Are we all psyched for Dark Phoenix? <laughs> Look, Dark Phoenix, I'll be so excited if Dark Phoenix plays and then the last act, everyone just bites it. Like, like, like just, <laughs> just <laughs> they're all dead. Game of Thrones style. Just, <laughs> done. Oh. Blow up the X-Men universe. Thanks, um, Gene. <laughs> when does that come out? June 6th. Okay. Um, honestly... I, I, you, you, uh, people that have listened to this show for the past couple of years, I never get very excited for the X Men stuff. It's just not what I want from those characters. Uh, I will go into it open minded. I like Sophia Turner. I haven't always loved her gene, but I'm really feeling the Sons of Stark right now, and I, I, I'm kind of digging on the idea of some fierce uh, Sophia Turner on the big screen. So yeah. I could be into that. I just hope that she like obliterates every single character. Well, she definitely obliterates one. <laughs> Early on is my guess. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to see it and I'm going to be like this 12 years ago. I was sitting in the audience for the same exact movie and it's going to be great. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's a remake, but it's, it's not- a movie that's coming out. Yeah. Did you see they pushed um, uh, new mutants to like 2020? Yeah, man. That that movie. I don't know. I don't know what that movie is going to be when it actually comes out. They're going to have to probably cut a whole new trailer. They reshot so much of that movie. Um, but here's hoping that it's cool because the world could always use more cool comic book movies. And I'm not being an ass about that. I mean that sincerely. All right. Uh, any other comments about Joey's extend a lightning round? Shazam! Yeah. All right. Well, Agents, Agents of Atlas was always a thing for me, and I'm a Jimmy Woo fan too. So Joey likes it. I'm in. Check it um, out. Yeah, I read it too. I I really dug it. I figured that you were going to talk about it, so I didn't make it a part of my lightning round. But uh, yeah, dude, like this is this is this was a seriously cool book. I love love the cast of characters, and I loved the idea of being introduced to new heroes. Like of all the things that I liked about it, I loved seeing new faces yeah. and watching them use their powers right off the bat, kind of defining, you know, what their uh, their stuff is and whatnot. I couldn't think of a better word. Sorry, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like if you read the back matter, like these are some are existing characters, other are brand new to the comic book page, never been in a Marvel book before. You've got Ms. Marvel running around, the Hulk. Like it's just, it's a really, really diverse, amazing team. And I I really like the artwork a lot. Yeah. And yeah, I think this is this is a three parter. So hopefully You're, we're getting a new we're getting a new Agents of Atlas. It'd be great if if one of those those mystery titles yeah. that Marvel announced is is a continuation of this. Or should I say Asians of Atlas? Oh, oh. I can say it. I can say it. I can say it. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> All right. Yeah, super, super excited for that one for sure. Uh, all right, so it's my turn. 
Uh-huh. All right. Uh, speaking of tears, I'm going to talk to y'all about Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. There was quite a bit of talk going around the twit about this issue, and for good reason. Written by Tom Taylor, art by Juan Cabal, colors by Nolan Woodard and Federico Blee, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Gonna try not to spoil this. So hard. The issue begins with Doc Ock standing over a fallen Spider-Man, the villain's eight arms raised in victory. One of them is holding a small golden box. All appears to be lost for our friendly neighborhood wall crawler. That is until Spider-Bite arrives, a nine and a half year old who is able to do whatever a spider can. Together, the dynamic duo give chase, only to discover that Doc Ock isn't working alone. Ah, but this isn't a Sinister Six scenario, my friends, for Spider-Man and Spider-Bite are meant to go up against the Sinister 60. Ooh, this double-page spread is amazing. 60 Spider-Man villains all across the Marvel spectrum, all in a giant ballroom, standing on, like, different floors, all just looking sinister as hell. And if you can think of a character, they're probably there somewhere. It's amazing. It's such a cool page. And what follows is Spider-Man and Spider-Bite fighting everyone. And it's another double-page spread, and it's all broken up into these, like, tiny uh panels like incremental panels of the action and it unfolds over like i I lost count i tried to count how many panels were on the page and i just was like i gave up um really really just amazing collage of them whooping some ass so after the battle is won the book delivers an emotionally devastating twist changing Mm -hmm. everything that you thought you knew about the adventure I didn't cry because I'm a monster, but <laughs> no I, know soul. For, I know for a fact that everyone who read this book was knocked on their ass with a fistful of emotions. Uh, if anybody on this podcast wants to read it, it's in my stuff online. You can go there and check it out. It's sweet. It's inspirational. It's magnificent in its storytelling, and it's really beautiful to look at. It will hit you in the feels. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uncle Ben comes back. No. Oh. No. No, Uncle Ben does not come back. It has nothing to do with Uncle Ben. Uh, It's very clever. It's very clever. It's very touching. And it's just, it's all the things. All right. So uh, my other book that I have for you all this week is from First Second, another one of theirs. And it is The Breakaways by Car- Kathy G. Johnson. Says The Breakaways, bad at soccer, okay at friends. Um, I'm going to read you a quick little thing from the book. Quiet, sensitive Faith starts middle school already worrying about how she will fit in. To her surprise, Amanda, a popular eighth grader, convinces her to join the school soccer team, the Bloodhounds. Never having played soccer in her life, Faith ends up on the C-Team, a ragtag group that's way better at drama than at teamwork. 
Although they are awful at soccer, Faith and her teammates soon form a bond both on and off the soccer field that challenges their notions of loyalty, identity, friendship, and unity. All right, so... Over the past several years that we've been recording this podcast, we've longed for the day when diversity and inclusivity would become a common trait in the comics medium. And damn it, I think we're starting to get there. I think we're starting to make a little bit of headway. We can always use more, but it's happening. I can feel it. I can taste it. The Breakaways is all about women of different ages, colors, and cultural backgrounds forming an unlikely bond through their mutual disdain for being bad at soccer. It's a book about fitting in, though it's also a story about carving your own way and stepping up to be the one person who brings everyone else together. It's about putting differences aside and failing at sports, not as an individual, but as a team. Uh, You'll definitely find this title on the young readers ages nine to 12 shelf So keep that in mind when considering it for a purchase. But as you know, we like to explore a bunch of different graphic novels from all over the spectrum here on the show. And I'm always more than willing to give this type of stuff a try. And I really enjoyed it. So that's The Breakaways from First, Second, Kathy G. Johnson. And uh, The uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six by Tears. There you go. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I've heard such amazing things about Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but the thing oh, with Spider-Man is like, I never pick it up at number one, and then it just blows me right by. <laughs> I it's funny. I've been actually reading quite a bit of Spider-Man lately. I've also been reading. Uh, I read the first volume of Nick Spencer's new Amazing Spider-Man, which I thought was pretty cool. But I also, in, on the other end of the spectrum, I read the first volume of Goldie Vance. Oh my God, Goldie Vance is amazing. Oh my God, yo, like I have, I cannot wait to dig into the other volumes. I loved the first one so much. It's so packed with personality. It's amazing. And you remember when we had Jackie Ball on and she was talking about it, like she takes that book into some crazy new directions after Hope Hope leaves it. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Goldie Vance, amazing character. Like you were just talking about with Breakaways, like the kind of diversity of characters, diversity of the line, like, such a wonderful, wonderful premise and wonder, wonderful cast. Yeah, man, the stuff is out there now. Like there, there really is. Like I, I know it's, I know it's not in abundance, but it's, it's there a lot more than it used to be. That's for damn sure. Like we were talking, we've been talking about this stuff forever, and you know we'll get to some of the things that yeah. still need to be worked on in a little bit. But in these little pockets, in these little corners, these books are happening. And Faith, in in the fifth grader, in this Breakaways book, she is very much kind of deciding who she is as she's on this team and and being around all these different women and stuff like that. And I just, I love that that is there, you know? And and for somebody who might be going through the same thing in the age range, 9 to 12, and you're kind of figuring things out, and then you come across this character who you identify with and you can understand their, their confusion and they're trying to, to sort things out while trying to make friends and, and make a new thing of their new school and stuff like that. Um, it's very sweet and, and it's, it's good stuff. That's, That's awesome. my little, my little rant. <laughs> I've had books about soccer, dodgeball, fencing. Oh, fence is so Fences. good. 
Vance is so good. Avant garde. Yes, uh, it's, a, it's a it's a whole new genre. Backstagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about avant garde in about two issues, but that book is still really awesome as yeah, well. I love it. Yeah, I love comics. I love comics. <laughs> yeah, man. Earlier in the year, Bloom was uh, was amazing, mm. and uh, yeah, uh, Laura Dean uh, keeps breaking up with me. Like like I'm saying, I gotta read this stuff. Yeah, this stuff is out there, and and it's really for me at least. Like it's it's making waves in my heart. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you know, Get and that's and that's also how I felt reading one of our open discussion books this week too. You know, oh. turning some of those pages and just being like, oh my god, look at all these different people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get to that now, actually. So, we're going to move into open discussion with a little bit of Unstoppable Wasp number seven. We do have Unstoppable Wasp number seven by Jeremy Whitley, Alti Fermansaya, and Espen Gundetchen. Now, this centers on Nadia's first birthday party because she didn't ever get to have one being stuck in the Red Room. There's an amazing guest list and the moments where Viv Vision takes Nadia through the room, not only making introductions, but providing her with how she seemingly, through comic book DNA at least, related to half of the Marvel Universe. Major emotionally charged arc before this. And... With the to-be-continued trailer at the climax, another to follow, I thought this is just an absolutely perfect resting place, catch our breath, reacquaint ourselves with all the wondrous people that, that Jeremy Whitley has, has let us see. I just enjoy says Every time you turn the page, there's something new to just squee over. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially... Yeah, Young Joe, Avengers! You go, you go first. Young Avengers related! Yeah. And like the OG Young Avengers. And I was like, oh my God, these all these children have grown up in front of my face, you know? Um, and now they're all these young adults and they're wonderful and they're emerging and they're just blossoming and it's lovely. Um, I loved seeing, you know, uh, uh, Billy again and Hulkling and all the champions and Kate and, oh, Kate, I miss my yeah. Kate. Um, and giving the book opens with Cassie and, uh, I just, I loved it. I loved every second of this issue. I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming in the way that unstoppable boss always is. And the way that Nadia always is right. Um, great moment with Jarvis, you know, um, and then Bucky shows up and I was like, (laughs) yo, oh my God. And, but the thing about that 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 Whitley's that Whitley Whitley has, has been able to do with with Unstoppable Wasp that's so so good is that it is funny and it is charming and it is winsome as the Wasp is. Um, it does not shy away from the trauma. It does not shy away from the the truth. It does not shy away from the complexity of all of these characters and all of these things that these people have all gone through. Um, all of them. You know, and and I think that there are some wonderful beats in this book that are at once joyous and happy and at other times make you feel deeply. Um, I love this book. It is an amazing, amazing comic that, you know, deserves to be around for much longer than it it will be. Um, But I think that if this book is any indication, it's that there are all of these wonderful 
uh, and diverse and different characters that have stories to tell, you know, and I'm glad that Willie put them all in one room for a party, you know? Yeah. And uh, I hope that people, I I freaking want my young Avengers back. Like, God damn it. Like, give me that book. Um, Mm. Uh, I just don't understand why we don't have it, right? Uh, especially because those characters. And the other thing that, that I realized reading it, two things I realized. One is that Tigra's baby is still around. <laughs> from, I'm shocked. Back, back from secret invasion time. Um, and two, that um, Billy and Teddy are engaged, yeah, that happened. Yeah, I didn't know that somewhere, either. Right? That happened. That happened a few a few years ago. I want to say, and uh, and I just like I want to see the stories that like continue these stories, right? Like, give me give me the Young Avengers stuff. Give me the give me. I want to I want to catch up with these characters. I love the champion stuff. I love that they're a team now. I love that Miles and and Kamala and and Amadeus get to have their squad. I think that's and Viv. I get to have their squad, and so cool. Um, but I miss my OG Young Avengers. I, I want them back, and I want to. I want to see those those stories play out. We've gotten little teases with the Hawkeye and with America when Gabby Rivera's doing it. Like, I like give me that stuff. I want that stuff so so much. And this book just reminded me of that. I would love a Bucky Nadia Marvel two in one book. <laughs> Marvel three in one. Put Ying in there. It'd be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this book was was really something special. I can't believe how many characters were crammed into this. This was its own endgame. Just <laughs> just crabbing everybody. My favorite though, I have to say, uh, I won't spoil the lines, but my favorite moment was when Nadia uh, comes into contact with Tony and kind of has a a whispery one on one with him about the rules. And uh, very sly and very cool. Love the dancing sequences. Love mm. the big, big page at the end mm-hmm. that I won't spoil. And yeah, like for all the things that you both said, it's just, it's such a wonderful, feel good book packed with amazing characters. This is told, this is told, had some of the best storytelling that I've ever read in a comic book this past arc and beyond. And I just, well, we'll talk about some some wasp stuff in a second. Um, well, no, did Joe? You already mentioned that it's ending with issue number ten, right? Uh, I didn't say what issue, but yeah, it's okay. just, it's finishing up with issue ten. Well, there you have it. Pour one um, out. Go ahead. What's that? I said pour one out. Yeah. 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 Uh, Here's the thing. Jeremy has said that though he has many more stories to tell, it is going to end the way they had envisioned the, the arc ending. That's all. Awesome. So the story's coming to a, a conclusion that he is happy with and fine with. And that's all great. And as he's been saying uh, on social media, doesn't mean she's necessarily gone forever. She's already come back and he has other stories to tell. So people need to, as what happened the last time, support the book through passing it along through the digital sales and regular sales of the next couple of issues. Buy the trades that are out already. Buy yourself the new digest size that they just came out with that collects all eight issues of the original Wasp run. Mm. Those sort of things can make an impact in us getting to see, if not a hundred issue run, but as Joey is saying about Young Avengers, that we end up getting 
slices of these people. Maybe they, they market them differently and say, we're going to get six more issues of Wasp. There'll be a nice trade, but buy the issues. And let, let's make sure that all these stories get told a little bit. And that can be done here in the case of the Wasp. We know ahead of time. Let's go out there and, and pull something in. It's It was sad when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, happy that Jeremy gets to tell the story in the way he wants. So that was a bit of a silver lining. Uh, what, what what's definitely brighter is the comics world for this book having been in it absolutely yeah totally agreed totally agreed uh, okay uh, I had a question and then uh, I forgot what it was is it about Bucky because no oh no 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 I know what it is um, is Unstoppable Wasp part of the Scholastic book sales like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is because I, I feel like this would kill in that market I don't believe so. Well, then those new trades might be a way to get them started. They're di- somewhere between digest size and full trade size. Yeah, We've done Ms. Marvel, uh, Wasp, and I think Moon Girl. It would be really smart for them to put this yes. alongside Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur in those cells because that's those are the hands you want to get this into. Yeah. Uh, Marvel, what are you doing? All I know <laughs> is that when when Ying sees Bucky and grabs Hercules's gauntlet thing and is like, yeah. ah! I was like, oh my god, this is the best book ever written. <laughs> <laughs> was that his cudgel? His cudgel, he's got? yes, his cudgel. I think I don't know. Um, it's, I'm probably wrong about that. No, that sounds right. Uh, yeah this this was great. Like we've been looking forward to this for a while. We've known that this party was coming up. There was lots of stuff to sort through before it happened, but here we are. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, and then there's that big twist at the end. Yes. Oh, my what God. What is happening? Like, what? Yeah. Was that so, teased at all? No. I don't think so. Shocking. I don't think so. Oh, and one last thing that I want to mention uh, in terms of the art. There is, in that same page that Nadia has that interaction that I was talking about with Tony, there is a panel of Miles Morales Spider-Man munching down on some cupcakes in the background, and yeah. it is just the best. It is it is one of my favorite pieces of art from this book. So, so good. He's got two he, in one hand, a red solo cup, and the cheeks <laughs> of the mask are just bursting. He looks like the equivalent of like people munching on popcorn gif that a lot of people love to use. It just looks like he's having a good time with these things. And he's still got his mask on, so that means that he's constantly lifting it up, taking a bite, and then pulling it back down, which I, is a lot of effort for a cupcake. I love the bit where they're like, oh man, didn't you tell me that Spider-Man sucks? And they're like, no, yeah. we, meant, we meant the other Spider-Man. <laughs> like, yeah. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Peter Parker so good. can't catch a break. So, no, he yeah. can't. He cannot. I like, I just read that volume one. He cannot catch a break. Oh, Peter Parker, will you ever win? All right. Oh. Uh, uh, there are the, also the, some uh, Raina Talgemeier style faces going on throughout. Oh, uh, as this the girls book. are leaping in the air, excited about. Oh my God, that was, that was, that was, that? That was an incredible page. And yeah. uh, when when I guess um, Scott Lang shows up at one point. He walks in with, uh, Cassie? oh my God, with Cassie. Janet. Oh, Janet. oh yes, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's at least two Raina Telgemeier style faces on this page, and I love both of them. All right, 
sorry to sorry to hear that this is going away. Hopefully, it will be back, and we will make sure to do our thing to support this book for as long as it's around because it is a diamond in the rough. No, it's just a diamond. There's no rough about it. It is a diamond, mm-hmm. a bright shining diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Yes. All right. We, we have other Whitley news later. Whitley? Yeah. But we got to talk about some more Bucky right now. All right, yeah. Bob. Why don't yeah, you uh, go? What? Yeah, I was not going to talk about this book this time around. I was going to wait for the big number six, but it's nah. Invaders number five. Chip Zadarsky, Butch Geis, Carlos Magno with colors by Alex Gumares and Travis Lanham on the letters. I, boy, it's going to be tough to talk about a lot of this without spoiling it, but Namer's War with the Surface World has begun in earnest. It is on like Donkey Kong. Already <laughs> like uh, been casualties, tons of action, intrigue. It, it's it's the, the namer, the anti-hero from all the way back in the 30s through the Lee Kirby FF issues. It's a powerful character restored to a full glory and anti-glory, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Great moments for Bucky, Cap, Jim Hammond, our side characters. There's some reversals. Oh, my God. This has been... I bought it on Nostalgia. Loving mm-hmm. those World War II Golden Age characters, loving what Roy Thomas did in, in creating the invaders back in the 70s. This book has been all, it scratched all that itch. It is so much more than that. It's such a great modern comic. People who are avoiding it because it's an old man's book, no. No, it is a that. great, great brand new book. Absolute yeah. standout. Uh, that uh, first of all, the only reason why I wanted to read it was because of what happened at the end of issue four. Yeah, when, yeah. when Bucky gets blasted in the back of the head with a gun, I was like, "No!" And then this issue, they they address it, and I was like, "That's very clever." Yeah, um, I didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Did not. See, it was funny because I read Unstoppable Wasp right before it, and I was like, "Oh, Bucky, if only you knew what was <laughs> what was coming your way." Um, but no, it's great. And like you said, I, you know, I, I fell in love with the invaders when Brubaker was doing his cap run because the invaders were such an important part of that. And what Brubaker was doing with the invaders in that book was, you know, um, uh, revisiting those, those stories and revisiting those characters through this, this updated lens of the whole winter soldier thing and, and, and memory and this haze that, that Cap was in, in in those in those issues. And it was great, and I loved it, and I loved the complexity of them. And what Zdarsky is doing, which is the weirdest thing to say with the Invaders, <laughs> still, like five issues in, I'm still like, what? Um, Zdarsky? What Zdarsky is doing is, is, like he said, he's telling this, this story that is at once about the Invaders, but about reframing the Invaders in the same way that we kind of revise our history every time we learn new facts and new figures, right? It's very interesting what he's doing with these characters and and, and returning in a lot of ways, Namor, to, to that very gray, almost a villain character. And the, the reason why I sent the email that was like, are we going to talk about Invaders, mm. is because of the last couple of pages here. 
Um, one of which, yes. is when and I don't want don't want to when Namor like Cap arrives on the scene and Namor's like walking towards him and he's holding in his hand. He's holding what he's. I holding. was like, I was like, yo, what? <laughs> this book is wild. And then um, obviously the the big the big splash page cliffhanger ending. I was like, oh my. God, this is insane! At like, yeah, dude. Like, and this is this is this is coming from someone who's also reading War of the Realms, which is also crazy. Like, what happens at the end of this book is like, what? What? How do you come <laughs> back from that? You don't come back from that. That's the thing. Like, it is wild. It is a wild, wild book. Um, I love Butch Guise's art. I do wish it was only Butch Guise. Um, Similar to the Fantastic Four stuff, I'm a little upset that we're a split in artists because um, the first couple of issues weren't like that. Um, but it is what it is, and and uh, it 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 is the the stories carry me through it. Um, I love these characters, and I don't know how we. I don't know what's going to happen in issue six. Like, just kidding, it wasn't real. Yeah. Like, no, you don't come back from what happens at the end of this issue. Mm. Yeah, man. This uh, this book's got some carnage to it. <laughs> I had to. I was very entertained by what I, I refer to often as my yo meter. When I'm sitting there and I'm reading a book and things are getting crazy, and I'm just like yo. And then a couple pages later, yo. And then the guy like yo. And then by the end of it, I was just like, what is happening right now? Yeah, this you know. Bob jokes that it's an old man book. And every now and again, I'm like, am I in the mood for invaders? And then as soon as I get to that first page and get to the end of that first page, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why I come to this book. And it has that golden age feel to it. Characters are so cool. There's stuff going on every couple of pages, like you said, that you don't know how they're going to come back from some of this. Like We lost some significant characters here. Yes, we did. Like a, a, a bit character that I was genuinely upset that that they were taken out, and I was like, "Oh no, no! Like, what are you talking about? Like, we've been talking with so and so for a while now, and I kind of attached to them, and they were like, they were coming around, and now it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, a very very engaging series, and I love the." Uh, Big man cap on his motorcycle just cruising through some of these pages. So good. And yeah, Namor's insane. This a panel of, of She-Hulk like riding this thing and digging her fist into it. All these missiles are flying around Iron Man and Captain Marvel. And it's just absolutely bananas. And yeah, Invaders. Invaders. It was really it good stuff. <laughs> it kick, this book kicks ass. It really, really does. Just imagine uh, an Invaders movie. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, I do all the time, Joey. That would be great. It's possible. They did it tease. Is. They did tease the Human Torch way back in Cap First Avenger. He's standing right there, Professor Horton. Synthetic human. We have an earthquake off Atlantis, and depending on which of those Russo interviews you read, oh yeah, it, it is or isn't a tease. Oh, yeah. If you read the Marcus McFreely interview, they're like, oh, we wish we were that smart. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, yeah. And then Russo's are like, oh, maybe. Oh. It's like, shut up. <laughs> give us give us some invaders. Bring it. Give us give us Bucky and mm. let's Toro. Let's bring in Toro, too, and 
And name a Rita. Give, give us his cousin and everything. Oh, Let's right. go for it. And I Bring them all. I don't want to go off on this too much, but there was a great – one of those freaking interviews, Marcus and McFree, they were like, oh, well, you know, Steve definitely told Bucky what he was doing – what he was going to do when he traveled. I was like, when? When did he tell Bucky he was going to travel back in time and stay there? Like, when did that happen? Stupid. That's going to be the four-hour cut, man. Stupid. Yeah. The, the deleted scenes. Well, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bucky does say, I'll miss you, as opposed to just saying goodbye. Why would he say, I'll miss you, unless he knows something? Because yeah, he knows. Because he knows, because he's Bucky. I could Bucky be. Bucky knows everything. I'm glad that we were able to talk about Bucky for both of our open discussion books, guys. <laughs> yes. You love Bucky. Oh, I love Bucky. Wait till so his TV much. show comes out. I know. Captain America and Bucky. Yeah. Excited for that. All right. Do 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 do. Let's talk some news. News. Joey, do you want to do you want to hit this Hickman thing first so that yeah. we can kind of group everything else together? We'll do it real quick. Um, so Hickman did an interview with ComicBook.com about his upcoming books, House of X Men and uh, Powers of X. Sorry, House of X and Powers of X that will be dropping July through September, two six issue series over the course of twelve weeks. Um, and one of the things that we talked about when they announced this big Hickman thing was what does it mean for these other books that we've kind of been really digging for the last um, couple of months. Uh, starting back with the Uncanny relaunch with Matt Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, and Kelly Thompson into the Age of X-Men stuff that I've been reading a bunch of. I know, Steve, you've been reading a bunch of too. And yep. the Uncanny book, which we talked about last week, has been not without controversy, um, but in many ways has kind of been a return to... Uh, the more kind of desperate and um, uh, uh, challenging nature of the Uncanny X-Men, which I think has drawn a lot of eyes to it. Um, some good, some bad. And we were wondering what happens to all these books. Well, Hickman has confirmed what is going to happen with all these books, <laughs> and it's that they're all going to get canceled, and that it was really at his prodding and convincing that, that Marvel canceled all of these books so that House of X and Powers of X could be the proper relaunch that Hickman envisions it as. Um, and here's what he says. Um, quote, for the most part, I don't believe incrementalism works in fictional universes, and that, I think, is why almost every big franchise change that occurs has a delineated starting point. Um, uh, in the spirit of what works and also what the market is used to, I didn't feel like just doing a new number one was enough. I also didn't think that if we were serious about what we were trying to do, we should have a mixed message in the market about what an X book is. So I argued for canceling the entire line, <laughs> why it would work, why it was a good idea. And most importantly, why it was what we needed to do to do narratively to return the X-Men to their rightful prominent position in the Marvel universe. We needed to sell the idea that this is what we're going to be doing for the next few years. So if you want to read X-Men books during the run from late July through September, House of X and Powers of X are the only new X books available and everything that's going to follow is based on them. We wanted to be clear to fans, to the stores and, just as importantly to the creators who are going to be staffing these books in the future. We wanted the message to be very clear. This is a whole new era for the X-Men. This is what we're doing now. He also goes on to say in that interview that at the inclusion, that the conclusion of those 12 weeks of House of X and Powers of X, they'll be launching an entire new universe of X-Books. Um, uh, he, Hickman, personally will be writing the ongoing flagship X-Book. And they're staffing right now a wave one of X-Men books that will 
um, be kind of probably announced around San Diego. And then there's a wave two in 2020 um, of, of new books that they're hiring talent for as well. All in this new Hickman X universe that will be starting House of X and Powers of X. Talk about the ego on this guy, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little Read bit. Read mine. Read mine. Yeah. I mean, look, hey, uh, cool, I guess. I'm excited for House of X and Powers of X. You know, Hickman, we yeah. talked about a lot yeah. when he was doing Fantastic Four. Not so much when he was doing the Avengers stuff, although, you know, I, I did like a lot of that, and, and Secret Wars was interesting. Um, I, I, I do, I do want to say, though, that, like, this part where he's like, I, we need to do this to narratively return the X-Men to their rightful prominent position in the Marvel Universe. Talk about undercutting everything that's happening right now. And it's, it's been a happening poor choice of words. Yeah, dude. Like, he's like, I'm the savior of the X-Men. And, and this is the whole new X-Men. The part where he's like, um, yeah. we, we wanted to make it clear to the fans, to the stores, and just as importantly, to the creators who are going to be staffing the books in the future. What the hell Not is the ones that? who are staffing them now. Yeah, not the ones like, yeah, forget yeah. you. Kelly Thompson, Matt Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, loved what you did. Too freaking bad. It's not good enough. I'm the one that's going to come in with House of X, Powers of X, and blow it out the water. Um, yeah, there's something slightly nefarious about using the term I argued for the, can- for the cancellation yeah. of the entire line. Like, those are people's ideas and people's jobs. And like, I, most of, I guess some of those creators will wind up on other books, but others might need to, you know, go out and find work for a while where they otherwise had a really good thing going. Right. And it just comes off as a little bit dickish. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and like, why, why should I read the rest of age of X-Men? Yeah. Why should I read that, yeah, the rest of Arcadia true. X-Men? You know? Like if it's all if it's all gonna if it's all doesn't matter because uh, Powers of X and Powers of X is this is the book that's gonna return the X Men to the the forefront. Well, you've only see they announced it now because you've only got maybe like four or five is coming out this Wednesday and you're almost there well, and you can read and it all. Pre-ordered, you've pre-ordered yeah. them already. Yeah. But Uncanny is bi-weekly so I got one, two, three, four, five more issues of Uncanny ready to go. Oh. Ouch. Wow. Enjoy it while it lasts, man. That's 20 bucks. Bring in the X. Bring Hickman. in the X. Bring in the Hickman. Hickman. Coming Hawks. back strong. Hawks, Hawks and Pox. Hawks and Pox. Taking people's germs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Hickman. Oh, Hickman. It's been a while. It's been a, it's been a while since we've had since we've had <laughs> to talk about Jonathan Hickman on this podcast. <laughs> what a way to come back. I hope his X book is awesome because if it's not that will be that will will be pretty bad all right let's see here what do we got we'll get to the we'll get to the super happy news in just a little bit we'll go you know what we'll end with the super happy news yes let's do that okay so uh marvel comics announced (laughs) their (laughs) wow all right Number 1,000 celebrates Marvel's 80-year legacy. And along with their 80-year legacy comes an absolute, just a, a avalanche of text of creators' names being paired with one another. And a lot of these potential team-ups are just dreams come true, and it's absolutely amazing. 
And I just want to go on the record as saying that I'm super happy for a lot of my dudes. At the same time, Marvel announced 80 creators on these books. Seven. Seven. Single digits. Seven of them are women. Yeah, there are more books by Al Ewing than by women. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not going to launch into a giant thing. I'm just. I'm. I'm disappointed. Well, uh, I'm. Go ahead. We don't have. We don't have the details yet. But my understanding is that this is like the thousandth issue to celebrate eighty years, mm-hmm. and. Are all of these creative teams basically doing like a page or two? Like, is that well, what, right? Yeah, right. They're very, very short stories is my understanding. Yeah, and oh. we've only been given artist writer to play devil's advocate. I'm sure there are colorists and assistant editors and everything else, but just to see stuff, the percentage is staggering. Now yeah, they have abysmal. some of the biggest. They have some of the biggest names. mm Hmm. Doing a story or doing a page each. Yeah. Yeah. Call in a favor for fuck's sake. Like, I just don't understand what the problem is here. Yeah. Um, And you could argue, like, oh, well, you know, historically speaking, blah, blah, blah. But, like, no, 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 no. No, if anything, your 1,000th comic should mark a new era and a new beginning and bring in the new people and the new voices and the new creators and show them off. Yeah. That's yeah. what you should be doing, is painting a picture of the future, not the past. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. No, there are a lot of other names that could be in these lists. and I'm, I'm, we're, we're not going to get, even in a dream world, to 50-50. And I understand, I made a joke about Al Ewing. He's apparently writing the overriding thread for the whole issue. There is a, a theme and a storyline. Mm-hmm. And I love Al Ewing's work, but it is odd that there are, I think there are 10 Al Ewing stories and, and, you know, seven female creators here. Mm. It's, uh, we we can start listing off the other names that might have found a place in here quite easily and filled up and doubled or tripled what they did fairly easily without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I'm, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, especially when you think about like a lot of these artists, and this is a problem with the comics industry, but writers, like you have people like Jeff Loeb come back, JMS, it's whatever, fine. Yeah. Um, a lot of these artists are new artists anyway, the kind of people that are breaking in or people that over the last couple of years have been really prominent. Jen Bartel's on here. Awesome. That's great. There are tons, but she's not someone who's like, it's not like Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale back in like doing the Spider-Man Blue. Jen Bartel's an upcoming yeah. rising artist. There's no reason why I'm looking at this list right now. Like some of these these artists are new people too. Some of these writers are new people too. It's not like they were just reaching back into the archives to bring back J. Michael Straczynski and Peter David and, and, and Walt Simonson. Yeah. Right. It's like as these, much as we love their work, but yeah, you know, where is Natasha Bustos? Exactly. Where's Sarah Pacelli on this? The people who are working for where's them. Where's Amy Reader? No. Right. Where's Leah Williams? Where are the people who are doing work for Marvel as we speak on other books, as opposed yeah. to people who write for television? Yep. Uh, folks, bad optics. And when you see the chart laid out with with uh, Kelly Fitzpatrick doing the cross outs and circles, yeah, it's it's a it's a staggering visual. 
Yeah, it really is. It truly is. Marvel, you got to do better. Mm-hmm. But there is a bit of amazing news coming out of some of these recent Marvel announcements. It is official. Finally talk about it. Jeremy Whitley. Whitley! 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 <laughs> One second, I lost my thing here. Uh, Jeremy Whitley and Will Robson have officially announced an ongoing future foundation book at Marvel. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. I can feel the spirit. It's coursing through me. All right. <laughs> I um I don't know how much I can say about this uh, book because I anyway no 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 um I'm really excited for for this title to come out. I can't think of anybody better to write it. I'm just spitballing here, but I think that there have probably been talks between Dan Slot and company kind of coordinating things and I can't wait to see what everybody comes up with because why wouldn't you do that mm-hmm. and Fantastic Four has been so epic but the one thing that I feel has been missing from that book is the kids I miss I want more from Franklin and Valeria I miss the FF team I'm really really glad to know that that's coming into the fold and that the Fantastic Four brand is going to have its other half and it's going to get bigger and the stories are going to get crazier. And just again, I, if we're losing Whitley on unstoppable wasp, I'm, I'm so sad to see it go, but I am so excited for his future and especially his future foundation. There you go. He has a backup story in, I, I believe it's FF. 12, it's either 12 or 13. I'm drawing a blank as to which one, where there's a Ben goes on, Ben and Alicia go on their honeymoon and the Hulk interrupts. So there's a big thing Hulk fight in the first half of the issue. And the second half is a Jeremy Whitley Future Foundation story that will kick off what they're doing. Uh, they have leaked some of the details or released some of the details of the story, which sounds really interesting, tying back to Secret Wars and the aftermath thereof with the future foundation and the riches out in space creating universes and the molecule man and stuff which i won't spoil here if you want to go read that the little spoilers you go read them yourself i'm not doing it here lots of stuff about the powers kids so everyone should go buy some power pack by louise simonson and june brigman mm-hmm. you will not be disappointed at all and it'll be a lovely tie-in the cover is showing us Dragon Man and Julie Power flying with her sort of rainbow powers and such. We've got some Moloids. We've got floating heads again. And I've also read that Tong will be back. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So tons of all sorts of inclusionary fun craziness coming. And as long as I can see Dragon Man with the little glasses, I'll be even happier. (laughs) <laughs> Love scene. What do you think Dragon Man's voice sounds like? He's British. Oh, British? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, sounds like, he sounds like Jeremy Irons. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah, I could, yes, absolutely. 
Or maybe Alan Rickman. Is Alan Rickman. Oh, Alan Rickman should have played Dragon Future Man. Future Foundation. Future Foundation. <laughs> oh, boy. It's Alan a, it's a robust voice. It's not like an old voice, but it's like a robust voice. Like an Alan Rickman or a, an Irons. Good show! Like that? No, 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 no. Oh. That's that's preposterous. No one Future Foundation! Form up! <laughs> no, no, no. He's not Mr. French from Family Affair, for yeah. goodness sake. He's not he sound like the rooster from Chicken Run. <laughs> it's a trap! <laughs> <laughs> that is not what he sounds like. cock! <laughs> Alright. No, I like Alan Rickman. I think Alan Rickman is a good call. It's the tiny spectacles that make me think of that voice. Yes. He looks very masterpiece theater. That's He could be sitting there with Alastair Cook in, in a smoking jacket, right? In a exactly. <laughs> in, I want to go to like a rooftop bar with Dragon Man and just talk about the universe. I think that'd be a good time. It'd be a good date. If I could find him on Tinder. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there you have it. Jeremy Whitley, Will Robson, Future Foundation. Marvel doing their big 1,000. Hickman being Hickman. <laughs> That's your news. By the way, the, Marvel's not good with their legacy numbers on the regular books. They're, they're off here and there on the counts. Where does the 1,000 come from except the DC yeah, did? It's pretty dumb. <laughs> right, Marvel <laughs> Mystery Comics ended in 1949, basically, and they haven't done any since. It should just be called Marvel 80th Anniversary. Yeah. I, I, yep. One shot. Yeah, it's just a sh- it's just a shot across DC's bow. Look, we could do a thousand. So what? Is, like, okay, so Action Comics genuinely hit a thousand. Detective Comics gen- genuinely hit a thousand. We could th- you could probably still make a case that well, Detective is probably right. Action, there was some changeover in, in the crisis where they went weekly, and so I'm not sure yeah. if all that works. But th- th- they earned those. Well, Action Comics was about I want to say like. 20 issues ahead of detective comics so i you might it might still well, be the case uh well because of those extra issues yeah yeah absolutely because so, bendis yeah. bendis took over with 1000 or he had the story in 1000 and then like only only a couple of weeks ago detective hit a thousand um but are any of the marvel books at a thousand yet no because everything from the 30s and 40s the only thing that lasted i mean captain america number one came out in 1941 but they they stopped those numbers in the 1949 when it was captain yeah. america's weird tales yeah and they didn't bring those numbers back in the 50s didn't in the 60s and if you added all remember when they first started this legacy numbering and they had the charts in each book and they're trying to add together well we had 18 issues of this one and sure. six of this one. And, for, and none, none of it made any sense. They were counting, you know, Journey into Mystery and Tales of Suspense, the things that started in the 50s. The Still books the from same, the... Yeah. Right, the books in the 40s... This, all, I'm sorry, it's not all winners number 1,000 or whatever. Yeah. Well, I know... I remember reading Captain America 600 when Brubaker and they had Gene Colan do a vampire story in it. Yeah. And that was in, like, 2000 and, like... Like nine, maybe. Yeah. Yes, they were they were trying to add together the a uh, hundred or so issues of Cap from the forties, plus some some issues from the fifties when they brought the characters back then, 
And then countered, I think, some of the tales of suspense is once he was in him from yeah. <laughs> issue 58. And and Mark Wade did Cap 700, right? The one yeah. that we read all read together with Chris yeah. Samney. It was awesome. That book was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but that would be the closest, right? That would be the closest. Uh, because none of the other ones, Human Torch and Submariner, they were around in the 40s. Yeah. But they're not, there was no run on those books afterwards. So, yeah, Cap would be the closest. Journey into mystery. If you if you, but the problem is you that started that's from its a, horror. Yeah. It if you went from its horror roots and science fiction roots through the Thor era, because Thor debuted in Journey into Mystery eighty three. It became Thor in the one hundred somewhere, and then all the Thors since we've gotten the Thor seven hundred because they counted all those Journey into Mysteries. Sure, which is fake, fake news, fake, <laughs> fake news, fake legacy. Yeah, oh. you know it was close. And I'm really upset about it. And I wrote about it. And it's one of the things I sent to Bobby and Stephanie to get on to Talking Comics. Uncanny X-Men was the longest uninterrupted running series yeah. until they relaunched it after 646 or whatever back in 2012. And it was a bunch of nonsense because then they did the – like Gillen had like 15, 16 issues right after that. And then uh, they did all the all-new X-Men nonsense with a bunch of weird stuff. Um, and then we haven't had Uncanny for the last, what, three years? You know, but if we did, Uncanny <laughs> would be the highest numbered series right now. Get on yes, my so <laughs> Spider-Man is in that range. Maybe a little ahead. FF would be, except they were canceled for three years. Thank you, Ike Perlman. Like Perlmutter. Perlmutter. What, what's Perlmutter. his name? Like Perlmutter. Perlmutter. Yeah. Perlman's the other guy who ran the company into the ground. And mush them together. They're like an amalgam character. Because <laughs> uh, wow, my back. first... Yeah, my, my first episode was talking about FF600 all those years ago. And then nothing happened after they canceled the book again. Well, now we'll be talking about Marvel 1000. 1000, <laughs> yes. For probably 10 or $12. Oh yeah! Oh, one hundred percent. It's gonna be twenty yep. bucks. I w I think it's possible. Remember when DC Rebirth was also eighty five pages or whatever for two ninety nine? Yes, and, and it was a great issue. Marvel one thousand is gonna be eighty pages, probably for nine ninety nine. That's a problem. We should take what? bets on it how much it's gonna. Oh be. yeah, <laughs> Price is Right rules over under. <laughs> uh, we, we should, when we get everyone together, we'll, we'll, yeah. as we get closer. Do you think, as the rumors have said, uh, C.B. Sabolsky has been, or has been saying, I've got an idea to launch a book that'll sell a million copies. Can you sell a million copies at $10, $12, $15, $20? Absolutely not. Unless they price it at $1.99. Wow, that would be that, that would be amazing with 80 creators on it. <laughs> no. Unless you think that this is the book he was nothing. talking about? I I can't imagine any in, in this day and age, even with all the games Marvel plays with covers to, mm. to boost sales figures. You know, Jim Lee's five cover X Men or six, depending on how you want to count it, I guess. That sold what three million copies or whatever. That was that's the modern record, isn't yeah. it? Something like that. So I think it's three or five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, different marketplace back then. Books were selling. 300,000 copies, yeah. 400,000 copies. You doubled 
tripled, maybe even if it is that five million number, even ten times it because it was a number one. But if you ten times a, a good selling book, now you're at half, half a million, maybe. Yeah. The other thing is X X Men number one. You can go get that anywhere. Where are you going to be able to get Marvel one thousand? Yeah. Only your LCS. And we'll, I, I know in my local comic shop for the various action and detective th- 1000s, there were two people in, on each book who bought every cover. That's res- that's insane. You uh, like a hundred covers? Uh, if you, the actual <laughs> covers, I, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely into the high two figures. And there were then sketch variants and all the others that if you counted each cover, you were well above 100. There were covers you couldn't get unless you got them from eBay. Yeah. There were store variants and all the rest of it. So well, the thing with Marvel 1000 is I could see them getting all 80 artists to draw a variant cover. Oh. Okay. I want to see Gail Simone's cover. Yeah, I would love I that. I want to see her draw that card. Did they, wait, did they get Bendis back? They didn't get Bendis back. No, they didn't get Bendis back. That's, that's sad. But he's exclusive, right? He didn't get, they didn't get Bendis? I don't think they got Brubaker either. Or Fraction. I don't think Fraction. Yeah, either. man. He's doing his Wonder Comics thing. Yeah. All right. Well, sad. Sad, but, it, it you know, we're all going to buy the thing. Yeah, we know it's going to be an open discussion that week, that's for sure. <laughs> so it goes. So it goes. So it goes. At least it's just the one. And it's, <laughs> not, uh, it's not another doomsday. Oh. Hey. Do May 29th. Doomsday okay. clock number. May 29th, I believe it. That's not even a real date. <laughs> Every time. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. It never happens. I have faith. All right. Let's talk about books that are hitting the shelves this new comic book day. Joey. Yeah. What are you picking up? Uh, I'm definitely picking up Naomi number five. Um, some really mm. big moves last issue. So I'm, I'm excited to see how the story kind of uh, wraps up slash continues in number five. Um, definitely going to check out Black Widow. <gasps> um Shocked to see, but also not shocked to see War of the Realms kicking again, number four this week. Very exciting. Why uh, are you shocked by that? Because, you know, we were just talking about Doomsday Clock. All these events always get delayed, Yeah, man, dude, it's know? bi-weekly. I know we're, that. We're going. Like, we're you know, moving. You know what else was supposed to be, you know, monthly? Doomsday Clock. And here we are three <laughs> years later. Um, so, like, no, I, I, I'm i not shocked by it. Jason Aaron and Russell Donovan, they've been banging out Thor for 27 years. So, yep. War of the Realms, they they, they, they did this right. So, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see where years. it's going. Um, and there's a, uh, I talk about this book um Back when it had first started, uh, I really love Black Badge, and there's a new issue coming out um, mm-hmm. this week from Boom. That's it. So it's a light week for me. Indeed. Uh, Uncanny number 18? Is that this week? Yeah. Oh, hell yes. I'm checking Uncanny. I'm going to do a little game I did. Bob, what's your list look like? Bob, definitely looking forward to, well, I'm not looking forward to being the finale of the Sasuke sisters run on Black Widow, but it is the finale. We had a big cliffhanger number four. Can't wait to see how they wrap that up and hoping for more of that one. Aquaman 48 is this week. We'll see how that new arc begins on that. 
We're Batman 71. We'll see if my theory about him still being asleep is, is, is relevant. And yes, of course, War of the Realms number four. Mm-hmm. Have we not seen anything in the solicits for the Saskas beyond this number five? Well, the trade. Right. So, but order the trade, pre-order the trade. Maybe they'll get to do more. Oh. How come they're not in that, that 80 creators thing? pisses me off that we're not getting more of this because it's so good okay uh my list sabrina the teenage witch kelly thompson number two coming at you aquaman number 48 kelly sudaconic batman number 71 i'm also on the naomi train gideon falls number 13 little bird number three Ian Bertram uh, collect that in physical if you want, because we don't know if they're collecting it in trade skyward number 13 age of X-Men next gen number four black widow number five guardians of the galaxy number five uncanny 18 and of course war of the realms number four favorite event ever I don't know about that I'm good all right. I have a doomsday question. We already told you about the... What's that, Bob? I have a doomsday question. What do you think will come to number 10 first? Doomsday Clock or, or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Which Chilling Adventures? <laughs> the, old, the old defunct? I don't know. The old defunct one. Oh, Doomsday Clock. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Tough call. Tough call. Over on I said, you know, you know what the, the biggest shame of it is, is that every time that it does come out, and Bob, you've you've checked in with it, you've enjoyed it to whatever yes. extent. Yeah, it's gotten better as we go, and, and the story is really moving forward. And apparently, this issue now ties in with stuff that just happened in Heroes in Crisis. So oh, the other okay. event started and finished before this one got between the two issues that it needed to, but now it's aligned, apparently. Yeah, there was a mighty big hullabaloo about Heroes in Crisis number eight. I almost read one through eight after I'd heard all the news, but there's only one more to go, so I think I'm going to wait until it's done, and then I'll, I'll check it out uh, the whole run. But uh, yeah, there was a big, uh, big old kerfuffle after number eight had dropped. A lot of people were upset. So, uh, does anybody have any closing statements? Anything that they would like to share before I read the thing? Nope. All right. Uh, You already know the deal with Ladies of Valhalla. They will return shortly. But until then, until next week, we have reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We're also on Twitter, at TalkingComics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Bendis Assembled, The Ladies of Valhalla, The Monthly Reset. Bob, where can our listeners find you? On the old-fashioned emails, Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And Mr. Joey Braccino. Send a raven. <laughs> brother. <laughs> brother, um, brother. Wait, wait, at, at Joey Braccino on the Twitter. There it is. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob. Hey, Jazz. Hey, Sarah. Yep. Yeah, for Joey. See y'all at John Wick 3 this weekend. 
Yeah, blah, blah. Uh, I am Steve. Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And we will catch you next time on the Talking Comics podcast. To be continued. Blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah. There was a moment no, where you, you said, want to um, laugh. You want to laugh. Let me tell you a little story. You could even you could even use it for your <laughs> after credit sequence. One. So we're talking about invaders earlier, and I'm super engaged in the conversation, and I'm only looking at my screen, and I'm listening to all of us, and we're getting into it. And I noticed in my phone that Bronwyn is texting me, and I'm just like, I'm like, okay, that's normal. And I look at it, and she's like, I'm trying not to be creepy. And I respond, I'm like, LOL, question mark? Okay, why is that? And she goes, look up. And I look to my left, and she's right there. (laughs) She's right there for, like, a vast majority of that conversation. Just ninja'd her way into the basement, was looming next to me. And I just completely blocked everything else out aside from what we were talking about and did not notice that she'd been there for several minutes standing right next to me hysterical you said um you said about the boot yeah yeah i heard it you you were talking about something you're like you know i just really like this comics a boot uh maybe that was a glitch in the audio wasn't a glitch no no you're canada you're canada now yeah (laughs) canada now oh oh, what a relief (laughs) (laughs) Ah, uh, good stuff. <laughs>